remember how we were saying our format is like rolling start. Have you ever seen a Joe Rogan podcast, Ollie? Where I I've seen one, so I'm not going to be an answer. <laughs> but basically, what he does is it's like they're just having a conversation, yeah. and whenever like people feel comfortable, they say, "Okay, should we go?" And then they go. That's an interesting way of doing it. But yes, yeah. I guess this is our first podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exciting. I feel like we should introduce ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Um. So hi, my name's Miranda. Um. I I'm in year twelve. I'm studying English literature, history, and psychology. I hope to kind of do take English further and then hopefully go into media in the future. Um, I'm Sarah. I'll be the other half of what we're hoping will be the Common Ground podcast. Sick name. Um, I'm also in year 12. We're at the same school. Oh, oh, I don't know to my voice there. Um, and I study chemistry, maths and English literature. I'm hoping to go into STEM field. Um, the dream is obviously to study medicine at university and hopefully become a doctor one day. But um, I guess I should say inshallah, but don't want to go to hell. But um, we're going to make lots of references to Ollie, Oliver Cheryl, our BFF. Fr- friend of the show, Oliver Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, he'll be here for a lot. And we'll, if this goes well, we, sh- we were talking about like, because, okay, the purpose of this podcast is because we're similar but different. We come from different backgrounds and we have different perspectives. Different on interests. Yeah, well. different interests, yeah. but then we're also similar in that we get along and we can be friends. Yeah. And I think the idea of this would be. Um, you would educate me more on, like, I guess, the arts and humanities side of what you're into, and then I would try and bring some stuff from a STEM field, and we would just try and learn about it together, come up with different opinions, and just discuss it, really, is the idea of it. But it wouldn't necessarily have to be strictly scholarly, which is where our friends, such as... Hello, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ollie, come into play, because Ollie knows more about sport than anyone I know. Yeah, Like, Guy's, like, a sports genius, and so, like, little things like that, and he's good with current events, and we have, like, a bunch of other really entertaining and interesting friends. And so if this all goes well, we're hoping we can have them on as guests, and we can just talk about what they're interested in, too. I think also um, a lot of us in our friendship group, we have quite strong opinions. We're not not afraid of an argument. We're not afraid of a debate. And hopefully this will give us a chance to kind of voice those opinions and just talk out in a way that's quite informal, Mm. and it's not, like... The school's not making us do it, so we can give yeah. our honest opinions and just have a chat, really. Yeah, and uh, it's also just, like, it's interesting to know what people are thinking. Yeah. And I think, especially, like you are saying, this provides a format for us to do it in a reasonable way, as opposed to screaming at each other and being like, you're wrong! Yeah. Like, yeah, no. Um, I feel like, again, we were saying we needed to clarify that for the start of the because this is our first technical episode... Um, oh, we need to get a jingle, by the way. Should we ask Philop to do one for us? Yeah. Come, Come on! on. <laughs> <laughs> We're just screaming in the background. But um, obviously, we've never done a podcast. We've done one very for bad one for an English English podcast. podcast. <laughs> Which is what inspired this, technically. But um, considering this is like our first episode, our origin story, if Ooh, you will, yeah. um, we're going to be ex- probably experimenting with different formats and the way we want to do it and what works best for us. So... If you are listening, I doubt <laughs> will we? <laughs> we're sorry if it's a bit messy. We don't really know what we're doing. We're just we're laying it two gals go in a quirky world. <laughs> Have you seen those things? Though? I love doing that. Like I guess I guess it's now like a stereotype of like the I'm just a quirky gal in an ordinary world, and they like do like the peace sign and everything. Yeah. I'm not like other girls. But then, like, to what extent? Are we allowed to mock that stereotype? Here comes our first bit of debate. Go for it, come on, hit me with it. Because, 
I, I'm not going to lie, I love just kind of snickering at it silently. I'll admit to that, because I just find it funny. Like, yeah. I've met people like that in real life, and I'm fascinated by them. I think it's, like, it's amazing, because the fact that they're so strong in that this is my personality, I am special kind yeah. of thing. Like, in many ways, it's something, I guess, to be applauded. You know, they're they, trying they, to be unique. Yeah, they're trying to be unique. and They want to be themselves. They know who they are. They have a reasonable sense of who they are, but I can't help finding it amusing, because... It feels like it's quite a self-centered thing to yeah. say because there are so many people on this planet. You cannot genuinely be unique in a way that's not deliberate. Especially because they've got to be aware of some extent to the joke that gets like yeah. oh, I guess like it's an online joke, like the meme that gets made of them. And surely if they've seen those things of oh, I'm not like then they should like you know when you see something and you relate to it, particularly online, you're like oh that is so me. Surely they must do the same thing and then realise that there's millions of others who are exactly the same as that. Yeah. And I think also from like a feminist viewpoint, it's it's something doesn't sit quite right with me in saying that, oh, I'm not like other girls, I have to put down other women in order to feel like I am better than them. Is that's that's a real for me that's like a real kind of misogynistic male outlook on life. That like, exactly. oh, um, in order to be special, in order to be a better woman, you have to put down other women. And I think, well, what's wrong with being like other girls? You know, what's wrong with being feminine, with being stereotypically girly? Like, that's yeah. not a weakness. I think, like, two points from that, like, I completely agree, is that, well, first of all, like, surely if everyone were a good person, why would that be a bad thing? Yeah. Like, if being like other girls, let's say other girls were just lovely, kind, genuine human beings, why would you want to be the opposite? Um, it says a lot about you as an individual, but then... Oh, Ollie's nodding his head. I feel like I've gotten a lot of But the second thing is Angela Carter. Yeah. So context on our English lit studies. Um, while we're studying the Gothic text, it's so fascinating. And a part of it, one of the writers whose work we're looking into is Angela Carter, uh, feminist. I, I wouldn't label her strictly feminist, but no, like her writing yeah. had a feminist lens um, back in the 60s, 70s. It, it's before I was born. <laughs> there we go. Um, um, and basically, one of the things that... One of the main arguments she has, actually, in relation to these... Because she takes these gothic tropes of these characters and she quite clearly puts forward the argument, just like you, of why do you feel the need, or why is it that women in general feel the need to put each other down in order to make themselves feel better? Mm. Um, and is that something that's been imposed by a patriarchy as such? And so, Ollie... I actually have a question for you. As our, as our resident male. Go yes. for it. <laughs> the voice of the men. Um, I'm honestly wondering, do you ever feel as though there's that level of competitivity between men, wherein in order to be, I guess, feel as though you've done something well yourself, a guy would typically be made to feel as though they have to put someone else down or and, another and, down? And not just in a sort of... Obviously, there's competitive, yeah. competitivity, competitiveness yeah. um, amongst everyone, but specifically in terms of do you feel that your masculinity is defined by how other people see the men around you? I think with men, I definitely don't think it's as severe as with women at at all. Um, And if it is, it's definitely not as apparent. Um, I feel as though you can still get types of people, yes. Um, And some people will feel that they definitely do have to show it but some people won't. So I feel as though in a time like now, it's like a gradual progression or like we're evolving. So 
some of us will, yeah, still feel that we have to show it day in, day out. Like, we would only be able to cry behind closed doors, things like that. But I definitely think there's the modern male nowadays that feels free no matter what they feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's another thing that, like, completely surprised me, where you'll talk to some guys and, like, you'll be like... I remember it's a BuzzFeed video, so <laughs> take it with a pinch of salt. But I was watching it, and it kind of sparked this train of thought for me, of, like, they were asking guys when was the last time you cried, and some of them were, like, two years ago. And I was thinking, hey, how like, is that like, possible? Like, yeah. I, like, I cry all the time. Yeah, I don't know that. Like, so granted, there were some who were a bit more open on and they were like, oh, like, last week, or I cry whenever I'm sad. But I think... It was just this weird idea that they felt like they weren't allowed to. Yeah. And I even feel... still, they still... Mm. Obviously, we don't have any true facts about it, but even still, like, you never know when they've cried. But it's... Mm. The fact, especially for a male, to admit that you've cried is such, such a big thing. I think yeah. it's so... Uh, which it shouldn't be, but it's so underestimated by everyone for someone to actually mm. admit that. It's yeah. it's crazy how... I think it's quite empowering. Yeah. I literally... I admire it so much. To be much. able to, like, appreciate and understand your emotions enough to be able to express them. That takes, like, a level of emotional maturity, I think. Background noise. <laughs> um, another change we'd like to make to the podcast is hopefully go to a soundproof room. <laughs> but you know what? Bass. It sounds like we've got a live audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we edited in, like, like, edited in, like, laugh tracks and stuff from, like, you know, yeah. those American those sitcoms. <laughs> Even the not funny part. Oh, do you know what, though? I didn't realise it until someone else pointed it out, and now it's like I can't enjoy American TV. If I ever... Well, I don't really watch TV as much as I used to, but you're sat there, and it's like, ah, every three seconds. Even when it's not funny. It's so bizarre. Do you think, like... What, okay, two psychology students in the room. <laughs> yeah, for, for context, Ollie does psychology, Spanish, and history. history yeah. He's amazing. Um, <laughs> honestly, the fact that you guys do more than one essay subject, I would not oh, be able yeah. to. Like, we'll, I admire yeah. it. There'll be... Yeah, we'll see. There'll, there'll be, like, the same conversations after the few therapy. Back to sport. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so as well as being our resident sports expert, he, like, we've also got psychology experts. Um... I was, yeah, I was saying, do you think that, like, when, like, I guess in media, especially because you want to go into it, when they edit in these things like laugh tracks or, I guess, if you want to look at a wide scope, the idea of soundtracks like sad music or happy music, do you think that, that, like, obviously it has some impact in how we feel, but particularly laugh tracks, if you hear other people laughing and, ha, ha, even if it sounds robotic, do you think that you, maybe at a younger age, would find it funnier or, like, I don't know. I think um, there's something to be said definitely for the impact of sound mm. on an audience. I mean, there have been countless experiments where they've played sad films without the soundtrack and it evokes barely any emotion yeah. in the audience. Really? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really important, especially music and things. I don't know about laughter because obviously now for me I'm quite cynical and when I see TV shows with um, laugh tracks I'm like, well, why are you so insecure? You know, why do you feel the need to put the laughter? Can you not... Um, is it not funny enough yeah, just to let the actual funny, audience yeah. to laugh at it? But then I suppose there probably is some psychology element behind mm. it. I think I think obviously it's age is a huge factor. Like if you have it, you're in younger children's programs. Obviously at that age, you're copying many people's actions. You don't necessarily have as many thoughts for yourself. So if you see someone laughing, I think more likely. Yeah. But then you get to that stage where you're like, why well, am I actually laughing at this? And then you get then get to that stage where what people laughing? Why are they laughing at it? It's not actually funny. So I think. It's very much an age thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
I remember because when I was watching something, I didn't. I thought there was something wrong with me because I wasn't laughing. Yeah. I was like, because it must have been like a few months ago. I was like, am I in a bad mood or is this just not funny? funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, am I just sat here like? And then because once that ha- for me personally, once that happens, once like the illusion of like TV is broken, I'm like, okay, this isn't funny. I then start seriously picking it apart. I do it mostly, I think, with American shows because they're, no disrespect, but they're quite formulaic, mm, let's yeah, be honest. Definitely. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I know what's going to happen in this episode. But what's funny about it is that when I do it for these shows, I sit there and I'm like, ugh, it's so bad. Meanwhile, I'll be watching EastEnders like, <laughs> and even though I know what's going to happen, I'm just so, I'm like, yes, come on. Yeah. I'm so invested. And it's, just, it's, yeah, it's just so bizarre. I think maybe for people our age and definitely our personality types, the fact that we feel like we're being told what to feel is probably why it's a bit more distracting now. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it's patronising. Um, it's sort of like, we feel like we should be left to make our own minds up about whether we find something funny or not. Mm. Um, but as Ollie said, I think for a younger audience, they're fine. Yeah. They're probably happier to join in with laughter Definitely. if they don't necessarily understand the jokes. Mm. To be told that it's funny, it allows them to release that emotion and just it's, mm. they, don't, they don't need to do any thinking really. They can just appreciate that it's funny because they're being told that it's funny. Yeah, I think like feeding off of that, I'd say especially, I guess humour is such a unique thing. In the so the reason why I guess people don't necessarily get angry at movies playing sad music is because we want to feel collectively sad or collectively happy there's like a security in not feeling that emotion alone whereas for humor i think we're okay to be like like you know everyone has just like a wacky sense of humor and everyone's like tastes will be unique what is going on out there Um, but yeah i think like the impression i've gotten from what you guys have said is just this idea that for example if i see a movie that's making me happy and I know that other people are finding it happy even if I'm like oh this is cheesy or whatever I'm still gonna be happy as a result I'm not gonna necessarily fight it too hard yeah whereas when I yeah like you're saying when it's funny it's, it can be patronizing as Ollie was saying or like it's like don't tell me what to find funny yeah. I think that's just because I guess humor is such a thing that we want to be unique to us yeah which goes full circle I like that but yeah it just is like yeah, it's. I know. I just checked the time and I just did a big gulp and like, oh no, fourteen minutes. <laughs> but it's okay because I have a filler story. Miranda's already heard. Oh this. yeah, this is an interesting one actually. It, it, okay, I want actually. There's a bit that I left out that I'm wondering if that's affected my like whole take on events and the way that I remember it. But okay, so I'm at the bus stop this morning. The bus stop in particular. Apologies for background noise. <laughs> We've got degenerates in us. <laughs> shouldn't say that. That's so mean. Um, but yeah, so I'm at this bus stop, um, and there's two other people there. This bus stop in particular. Is, so I think from what I've seen is that the houses are. I don't know what to call it, but it's typically for like eld- older people or. Um, this is an elderly residency. I guess. Um, it, yeah, that they, that's like. It's like, it's like a whole complex. I think so. From what movie. from what I've seen, I've okay. not really like looked into it too much. Um, and so usually you'll see like um, brollies and what are the things that people push? Trams. Trams. No, not trams. No, like okay, it's elderly people. Oh those things yeah, like those trolley there, like yeah, trolley yeah, things. Trolley. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like you'll see people there with them, and you're like, oh, okay. I like you get the you get the vibe of the area. Yeah. And so I'm at the bus. So there's one woman, and then there's another. Um, white English if, appearance wise if I had to place her I'd say no older than 60 so you'd think what are you doing here um, I'll be honest and say 
I, okay, it's risky when you talk about these things because if you're going into, um, I guess, neurodiversity and like conditions that a person might have, you don't want to generalise or just label them and say they had this. No. But there was an air of lucidity about her that made me think um, maybe she's not quite present, um, just not as alert. Yeah. Um, and so, like, for example, I had my hood up and my hair turned down as the bus is coming in. This is the bit that I left off because I don't know why, but it's just so vivid in my mind. I can't quite place it. Mm. Um, and so I'm tying my hair up a bit neater and I take my hood down and she's just staring at me and she smiles but it, it was like a weird smile I'm going to be it, it unnerved me slightly I can't it was imagine like Cheshire Cat kind of smile okay and so I, you felt like it was malicious? no or? not at all it, that was a weird thing it was I couldn't place the emotion behind it I could just see the outer visage of what it looked like where I was like I don't know why? But again, I guess you can think it's like young people aren't you? Yeah. But the reason why then she kind of left this impression on me is as I'm going to, we get off at the same stop, but as we're both going to get off, or as the driver's pulling towards that stop, um, there's a black man sat just behind. Um, so there's like the driver, you know, there's one seat. So he sat there and she sat nearby and she was going to, I think she had difficulty moving because she had one of those things. Um, she was going to get off at the front and the beginning of the like interaction was lost to everyone on the bus um, but it appeared that she was close to him and he wasn't too happy about that because all of a sudden you hear him say don't touch me like really loud uh, can you please stop touching me and she goes oh you think you're hard do you oh, da, da, da. and kind of, they're kind of going back and forth and he's very doing a good job of like I guess controlling himself because yeah. in that situation I think people can get flustered but he's basically saying please move away from me I'm a human being he's I have being a right respectful. to you. Yeah, I think he was being as respectful as he could be. Um, but I'll get into something after I finish telling the story, because there's something about... It's a, it's a fishy situation. Um, and then he says something quite poignant. He goes, driver, if she doesn't move away, I'm going to have to ask you to call you the police. Um, ask you to call the police. And she's like, we're still just getting back at it. And then this is what I told you, where she says something. So it could have gone one of two ways. She could have said what he thought she said, or... Initially, to me, from what I heard, it sounded like she said, I'm going home. But he... So here's where the scenario could split. It could be that she said that and he misheard it. Because he then replied by saying, I live here, this is my home, blah, blah, blah. Or it could be that she told him to go back home and conversation ensues and he took offence at that, I guess, rightly so. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of goes back and forth where he's like, I live here, I work here, I have every right to be here. And there's like a moment of hesitation from her. And then followed by this moment of relief, as it seemed like she was falling into racism as a bit of a clut- like a crutch, which was weird because then she jumps on this whole new dialogue of "go back to where you came from," and it was just so bizarre for me to watch because I'm not sure how good a job I've done of painting the picture of what happened, but basically the second he interpreted what she said, which I have to say is lost in translation, I can't verify what she did or didn't say at that initial comment, but the second he interpreted it as you are being racist and responded in kind, um, or not in, but he responded to what yeah, he interpreted her being. Comment. Yeah, um, she kind of seemed relieved because at that point she was, I guess, losing the argument, and so she kind of jumped on this new narrative of like, yeah, you you should go back to it, even if that wasn't what she initially said. Yeah, it's like she fell into it and was like, I'm going to rely on this as my means of winning this argument. And it was just so weird for me to see because it's just then in my mind I'm replaying I guess my journey yeah. in, in like <laughs> like comments um, inverted quotes with this woman where it starts off with her leaving me with a really weird first impression where 
It was like a mix between a motherly but a slightly weird smile she gave me. And I was like, I, I don't know how to interpret that. To her kind of making this man uncomfortable, it's certain that he felt uncomfortable. Whether she had ill intentions at the start or not, I, I don't know. Um, him reacting to it, doing a good job for the most part. But here's where I want to kind of break it down because as much as in my the way I saw it it seemed like she was relieved to be provided with the you be the racist person role it seemed like he was very happy to place her in that role like it's like he was waiting mm. like he had it loaded up yeah. as a I have a right and it, it, it's just left me really confused I've been thinking about it all yeah. day and it's one of those things where it's sort of like a morally grey area yeah. and it really yeah, really definitely. depends on what she initially said to him yeah I exactly think. Because it's like, if we follow the two scenarios, so let's say scenario A, she said, go back to where you came yeah. from, that was her first thing. Then as it flows out, I would very heavily say that she is in the wrong, it yeah. was unnecessary. Especially conflicts like that early in yeah. the morning can be very easily resolved of, sorry, let's just take it down a notch, I don't want you to touch me, I apologise if you took offence at that, but I do not want you to touch yeah. me. And then she could have said, okay, cool, and they could have moved on. And so scenario A, she's, I would say, totally in the wrong. Yeah. Scenario B is where it gets a bit weird. Where if she said something of what I thought she might have said of "I'm going home," first thing that he does is he he mishears that, and is that a selective mishearing on his part? Where is was he waiting to hear something? Or has he just got so, so much to of it that yeah. yeah, he's just constantly on the defensive? And then the next part of that is if that wasn't what she initially said. Why did she so seem so relieved to have that presented to her as now this is my chance to be yeah. offensive? I think it's probably because inherently she knew that she was encroaching on his personal space, mm. and she was. It's in the probably wrong. easier to just go down that age-old like racist route than to actually have a difficult conversation of why was I touching you? Why do yeah. you not like it? It is. It was probably easier for her to just do what mm. I suppose her. A whole, she's like growing up in an environment yeah. of that sort of culture. Uh, no, so, oh yeah, for context, my area, like, um, I guess if I've got her age right, back when she would have been younger, it was very much white working class. Um, like, uh, for context, my mum's Pakistani, my dad's Arab, so when she, um, her family moved here, she was born here, but she grew up with like Paki being like a colloquial thing, like the people just said. It wasn't necessarily um, like a horrible environment by any means if anything it was quite friendly compared to some other places in the uk but terms that are now considered to be racial slurs we just use so commonly yeah and things like that but yeah, yeah. back to it no but um gosh i can't remember what i was saying yeah, it was basically the idea of her falling into what would have been a comfort yeah in the past. yeah instead of actually having a probably more difficult conversation about kind of mishearing things and mm. touching people unintentionally intentionally just so bizarre it, that is weird yeah. because it's like Okay, so I okay as someone from like a diverse background, from a Bane background, I think to myself in situations that I've been in, and obviously because that's how we understand things is by thinking of it through. If I were in that situation, how would I be? And I've been in situations like that before, where for me personally, I just take it because it's so much easier. Because if I'm on a bus, no one's going to be on a bus for more than like five minutes realistically. Yeah. I don't have time to sit you down and give you an hour long lecture as to, or a conversation, not even a lecture. I can't be telling you that you're wrong. You could be right for all I know. I'm open to hearing your opinions. So for us to have a dialogue and me trying to express why what they've said has hurt me and why they might have said it and how to proceed in future, we don't have time for that. So for me, a lot of the time, it's just very easy to just take, especially if it's direct, if it's direct to a friend or someone that I know, I'm more likely to kind of say, hold on, yeah, stop this obviously. now. But if it's me, 
keep my head down, yeah. move along. Because especially because at my age as well, you're wearing a school uniform, you don't really have. There's there is prejudice against younger people. You yeah. walk into a shop, security guards are watching you because they think you're going to steal. Yeah. Um, and so f- that's why for me it's it's confusing that he was so, I guess, ready to jump at it. When for me, I take quite a resigned approach. Yeah. But then I understand that other people are just going to be like that. I'm just. I'm weird at that. It's weird. I don't know if I'm overthinking it, <laughs> no, I but I'm just so confused. Yeah. What did she say? Like, was she a racist or was she not? Or like, I think there's just so many factors to consider, mm. and because obviously you could never know anyone's true intentions, anyone's background, their experiences. Mm. You know, it's really difficult. Like as you said, he seemed really ready to kind of respond to what Play he the thought was yes. a racist comment, yeah. Yeah. but that could have been because years and years of taking having to yeah, take it exactly because it, it does break you down to a point where you just get really frustrated yeah. like I've seen it happen to people and they just say you know I've had enough yeah. like people in our own school have had to deal with it like yeah. um, Tyler who hopefully at one point will, she'll be a great guest yeah. Yeah. she yeah. is so like good at these <laughs> yeah. like yeah. she's all about her HBQ yeah, yeah. Um, but she like so she's one of our closest friends and she's had to deal with so much and so she's a bit like me in the sense that sometimes she will just take it but other times she'll just straight up be like no this yeah. is not okay I'm yeah. not having it um, yeah, I just, I think final thoughts on that whole episode, though, is I feel bad for the guy. I'm sorry that he had to experience that because whatever she said, at some point in that conversation, she was definitely racist. Yeah. Whether it was encouraged, well, I don't want to say encouraged by him, but I can't really think of a better way to phrase it. But whether it, like, facilitated, yeah, was facilitated yeah. by him or not, she did say those things at one point and she carried on saying them of her own will and she was capable of stopping and I think, in that sense, I'm so apologetic to that man. I I really wish people didn't have to go through things no, like that. It's yeah. not nice, especially first thing in the morning. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, on the other hand, what I wanted to touch on, because I think I mentioned it earlier, was the fact that if there's a possibility that she has something like dementia, which I I think actually some of the people who live in that area do. I think like they're elderly or um, yeah, I, I guess the term is neurodiverse. Mm. There there's kind of their mental state is deteriorating. If that's something, and she may have just been having an episode, which would explain, I guess, like the vibe I got of her, yeah. again, in like air quotes, um, beforehand, then to what extent can she be held responsible? I think it's not always a blame thing. If she is, as you um, said, you thought she may have had some neurodiverse condition, um, then his feelings are valid whether or not she meant Mm. it and I don't think you have to place blame if she's in a situation where she can't help herself Mm. I think all you have to do is just recognize that it happened um and obviously he was upset by it and he responded Mm. because he was upset by it Mm. and I don't think that makes him a bad person even if because he, he wasn't yeah, to know. Yeah, and he responded in the best way possible. Yeah, I think. yeah, exactly. He wasn't to know that if she, maybe she didn't mean it, maybe it's because of whatever condition mm. she has. I've got a Spanish phrase that works. Okay, so did you watch Brit Awards? Oh, um, I've seen like clips of it. I saw okay, chat so <laughs> for the person of the podcast, so Dave, who I think is a great, great rapper, nothing against him. Oh yeah. Performed a rap. Oh, black, right? Black rap. Mm. Um. Which had a few comments in there. So for me watching it, so yes, I come from a typical British white background. Um, for me watching it, 
it felt a bit weird. So, for example, a quote about... Can you pull up, like, what he actually said? Yeah, so it was a quote about... Let me find it. It was a quote about the royals. So it was a quote comparing Kate and Meghan. Um, so it was about something like... Oh, I think I know. Being in the media or something like that, and Meghan being in the media and kicked out. So, and linking that to racism. Mm. So maybe it's just me, personally, not seen it before, but I want to know your guys' opinions. So just... It feels as though something like that, which, in my opinion, I don't know if you guys agree, has got nothing to do with racism and mm. Megan's um, ethnicity yeah. or anything like that. Personally, for me, I don't like Megan because um, of America links and things like that. I, yeah. don't, I don't think for the royal family that's beneficial, and that's yeah. why I didn't take a massive delight into her. But, one, do you think that something like that, so the royal families, this is Brit Awards, yes, freedom of speech and all of that, but Brit mm. Awards, something that could produce global. Mm. Do you think, one, do you think that could be said? Yeah. And two, do you necessarily agree with it? Oof. As in the actual specific no, quote. I'm going to find the quote. Yeah, oh, because I, I, I was, be it's one of those things where, this. for me, growing up, it looked yeah. terrible, but, I could sort of see where he's coming from. And then I guess the main question from that is, does reverse racism exist? Oh, I have... Okay. I, I, so, have, some, I have some opinions about so, racism. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so, should we talk about Dave first, then we'll talk yeah. about yeah. reverse racism? Yeah. So the first two questions you posed about, like, is it okay for him to say that in terms of, like, freedom of speech, and, like, do I agree with it? I'm going to say that... Okay, if okay, I've heard the full song, Black, before, and so what you say, I think I can vaguely remember... I actually haven't seen his the clip of his Brit Awards like um, performance. I think I'm probably the only young person who hasn't. Well. <laughs> I've, I've seen sections of it, but I haven't it seen the whole thing. It was all over Instagram, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it later. Um, for those two questions, though, I'll be honest and say that because they're things that I've considered before. Um, I'll obviously when we get the quote up, we'll go into it more. I think yeah. I'll go round in circles. I don't think I'll ever have a set answer to that. I think it really just depends a lot. Um, he was politically charged as well, which I didn't realise, which I've just seen now. Oh, he was politically yeah. charged what, with his rap. Wait, yeah, oh, a lot of his rap is like... So I agree with some stuff. So like, if either of you have had question time, if not... Um, oh, yeah. It. yeah it's, I like, love that. It's so powerful, yeah. and I agree with I really a lot like of what he said. I think it's important yeah. to include I think your passion about I de- it. I de- definitely agree, music. but I feel as I though, this in point. my opinion, it was maybe a step too far. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Um, but going on to your like third question about does reverse racism exist... Yeah. I have a set answer to that, and again, we'll go into it more, but yes, 100%. But then, okay, so that's what, so interesting because I, I don't think it really does. So feel like my, it does. my argument would be then, why does it have to be called reverse racism? Why isn't I, it just I, racism no, in the so, first place? No, so I don't think of it as I think it is just racism. If you are making someone feel, if you are prejudiced against someone because their skin is white, you are a racist. Like, well, you're not a racist. No. That is racist. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but it is. I mean, personally, and this is interesting for the context of the podcast, yeah. I too come from a white British <laughs> background. Um, but I think there's a difference between um, prejudice, discrimination, being rude to someone based on their race, mm. and racism, because racism is such a heavy word because it comes from oh, a history yeah. of oppression. That and, is true, actually. I did um, and I think it's a really weighty word. And for me to mm. feel offence because, I don't know, someone says, oh, you're white, you don't like spicy food, I think that I'm just going to have to suck it up and take it because of mm. the history that my I, I don't want to be that person that's like oh my ancestors yeah but I just think you, 
there is such a difference mm. between the real violence and hatred and that pain was, yeah. that people have gone through because of racism mm. and some maybe hurtful comments to a white person who lives mm. in a position of privilege and has never really had to experience any proper hardships in their life because of their race. And I just think the, all the connotations in the word racism, personally, I would feel uncomfortable calling anyone racist if they made a comment towards me for being white. Mm. And that's just a personal thing. I, okay, having heard, like, that side of things, <laughs> I've got a really 180 miles. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about, like, okay, then if that's how, I guess, we're understanding racism, then I agree with you completely. The only thing I would say is that, on a more serious note, like, so when I thought of, what, like, when Ollie said reverse racism, immediately my mind thought moments where, like, um, friends of mine have said to other people, you're not allowed to have an opinion on this because you're white. And I feel like yeah. that's just so wrong. Or, like, just to make a person feel unnecessarily yeah. ashamed. Yeah. It's no, like, that's, you cannot that's help how you were born. No, that's definitely bad. And mm. um, obviously it's horrible for them. And that is, I would say, not, not discrimination, prejudice, yeah, naivety. Yeah. But I'd, I'd, as I said, I wouldn't use the term racism. Yeah, I th- okay, I think I agree with you on that then. I, d- I don't think... Yeah, I think you're right. I think I was mistaken. Um... Yeah, racism isn't the word to use, but I just, I, I don't like the idea that seems to be emerging recently. I have the, the lyrics. Oh, I have dude. the lyrics. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have the lyrics. Come on, sing so, it out. I'm not singing it. Um, but for example, the line that I was specifically referring to is uh, where it says, how the news treats Kate versus how they're treating Megan. Mm. And to me, can I see a difference? Yes. But I think that's down to Megan's personality compared to her ethnicity. Okay. In, from from the way that yeah. I see it, and like I say, it's my view. It like mm. no one necessarily can agree with it. That's the way I see it. I don't see any malicious racism or picking on Megan just because she's not from the typical white ethnic background. Mm. that's the way okay. I see it yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I agree with what I'm saying again it's just to an extent where okay, I can't claim to be like a royal expert or anything I've almost like actively avoided that yeah. story because yeah. it just gives me a headache to be honest it kind of goes around in circles of people just screaming at each other really um, the one thing I would say though is the what role does institutionalised racism play within the media and how they therefore depict yeah. Megan because I think it's kind of studies tried and tested I think I'm I guess somewhat correct in saying that it is there it's apparent and from that kind of line of thinking of so it's in the media it's going to influence how they write things it's going to influence how they portray certain people I do think her race plays a role mm. whether or not it plays as big a role as some people are saying it is because a lot of people have to say it's only because she's this you're yeah. saying this whereas earlier Ollie raised a really good point about how it's just because like she's American yeah. like, I, think, I think it's a combination of factors I think her mm. race probably is one but I think it's yeah. a lot of things her being an outsider not just her race but yeah. what country she's from the way she does things the fact that she was an actress in the past yeah. and how like yeah. So from Kate, all we saw was quite, I guess, girl next door. Yeah, she's quite reserved, wasn't yeah. she? I think the thing is, because if I'm looking at Megan's personality, the way that I think about it, because she was quite a strong character, she came in, not with high demands, but wanted to get fully involved, and obviously now that they've moved away mm. from everything, that I think the problem is that difference, for me, is more apparent, whereas for someone else looking at it from a different experience... yeah. 
the actual physical nature seem a difference. You know, that, that's that's yeah. that's my interpretation anyway. Yeah, I I I think. It's like I think the answer, in my opinion, is somewhere in the in between where yeah. it's not like there's no race or like no racial prejudice whatsoever, but it's not like that's the only thing. No. I yeah. think I think she's done. Although I will say I do feel like the way the media has, it seems like they've just been targeting her. Mm. Like I feel like a lot of what they have said is unwarranted and it's unfair. Yeah. I think Although, I think yeah, I think it's definitely been thrown more on Megan yeah. and I think Harry has to take some responsibility yeah. uh, for it um, no matter what's happened before no matter how many years he's been in the royal family with everything that's happened to him at the end of the day it you can't deny that it was a gr- group decision between the two of them yeah. to do what they did you can't just it wasn't it like all. her evil influence exactly, yeah. exactly. I think, and that's how they love to portray yeah. it yeah. it's like I think, yeah. he's a big boy he can make his own exactly, decisions exactly yeah. I, but I, which is why I, I feel a bit of disappointment towards him in that yeah, why, why couldn't he just come out and just say like I feel like he could have done more I guess to protect her mm. I think maybe there's a chance that there was an oversight and that she was a, celeb- she was a celebrity she lived a public lifestyle yeah. like she was in the media yeah but I think perhaps she just wasn't quite prepared for how much that would like increase when she would join something like the royal family. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I didn't even think it was that big of a deal when it happened. No. I wasn't aware that people cared so much. But it's because like, well, I guess we we haven't like grown up with the royal family yeah, with that true. being such a staple of like yeah. British culture and mm-hmm. everything like that that people feel so strongly attached to it that any change they feel is like a personal attack on them. Yeah. And I just think you know times have changed. People need to move on. I think it's great. Actually, I do. Yeah, I love it. Like, yeah. I think she's great. I think I don't. I think I don't. I don't see her as particularly harmful. I don't see her as a particularly evil, bad person. She's no. not, she might not be the most likable. She might not be the what people want. No. But she is a human being, exactly. Yeah. And nobody deserves yeah. the treatment that the media gives them. And I mean, it was speaking what like a week after the whole Caroline Black thing. thing. I know. It's I know. so sad. Yeah. It really is. I think. Like. Yeah. It's just. It's, it's so mishandled and I think like so now what's coming about is this idea of like I think Caroline's law and how there needs yeah, to be legislation yeah. put in place to protect people in the public eye but I, you, don't, you I, think... don't, I don't know what you can do though like yeah. granted definitely think it needs to be stopped you do not want cases like this but you've got to have massive drastic changes mm. I don't yeah, I, I yeah, don't I, know yeah. what you can do really I, I think because it's so difficult, like you say, it's yeah. so difficult. Even like what forty years after Diana, like, yeah. what is it? Mm. Yeah, like so that. yeah. Um, and we've just become even more connected, and it's even easier to attack people online and to be keep updated with people. And yeah, it's really difficult because there's always going to be people who see celebrities not as people but as money making machines and yeah, ways to so just sad. get more views, get more reads. No matter whatever they're spouting about them, they mm. just see them as. I guess objects and mm. just ways to promote their business. I feel like the best way to resolve this conflict because we don't know what that lifestyle is like. No, I mean, no. I doubt I ever will. No, no. marry a rich and we're only oh, unless, the outside of our ways. Yeah, like you said. Unless the Common Ground podcast. I mean, it can take off. <laughs> it can take off. <laughs> Joe Rogan, we're coming. All your household names. <laughs> like oh my God, Miranda and Sarah with. Us. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, because we don't know what that's like. I feel like the best people to have discussion about this would actually be the people who live that life. Yeah. And I feel like I imagine the conversation going something along the lines of, this is what my daily life is like. Here's how you can make things easier. And I, the first thing that came to mind for me would have been paparazzi. Mm. Like, think of how overwhelming it must yeah. be. Because a lot of celebrities actually do struggle with anxiety and stuff. Yeah. So if the norm, uh, normal, again, I'm using a lot of air quotes, you guys can't see it, but whatever. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, a, a, for lack of a better word, normal person who, with anxiety, you wouldn't bombard them with cameras yeah. and like questions and screaming, look over here, flashes, all that yeah. sort of stuff on a daily basis. That would be cruel. Why is it okay to do that to a celebrity? Um, And I think, like, I feel like things like that, if you just put more restrictions on, like, the distance the paparazzi can have from the person, I feel like the situation would get slightly better. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, it's like you say, without making massive reform... You can't. It's as much as we hate it and we don't want it to happen and it's going to be horrible... It will still happen. It's so unfortunate. Like, imagine just how exhausting that lifestyle is. Yeah. I think well. it's because when you put yourself in the public eye, the public feels entitled to you. And you, yeah. hear, you hear stories of celebrities refusing um, to kind of take pictures with fans or whatever. I, heard, I was listening to a podcast and it had Amelia Clark on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how sometimes she will say no to people's pictures people who want to take pictures with her, she'll say, no, I'll do an autograph, I'll talk to you. She wants yeah. to get to know them, but just to have someone come up to her, shove a camera in her face, take a selfie and leave, she feels really, like, dehumanised yeah. by it. And so she has to set, like, personal boundaries for herself. And if she comes across as not being a nice person, then she has to deal with it, because mm. at the end of the day, she is her own person. She has to set those boundaries for herself and what she's comfortable mm. with. I would say, though, it. I feel like it depends on the fan base as well. Yeah. Because... Robert Downey Jr., who you're going to hear him about a lot on this podcast. Who? Because he is we love him. He's amazing. Um, if you're watching, hi. Yeah. <laughs> or listening, rather. But um, so, like, I've seen like videos of him with fans where, um, so if he's on a shoot, for example, so a lot of times it's confidential, so he'll walk over to him because they'll like camp outside and they'll wait, um, and he'll say, I won't take a picture with you, but you can take pictures of me and I'll sign and we can talk. And I feel like, um, particularly because he started out in like, technically the 70s like his first movie was when he was five wow icon i know right (laughs) um but like his like whole heyday was in 70s 80s 90s and then he came back in the early 40s um but because that was kind of pre-technology and selfies and whatnot i feel like his fan base are more mature obviously they're getting younger now with disney and all that involvement but i would say i feel like an older generation might be a bit more respectful of that Whereas you have this kind of weird middle ground where they're not quite our age. Because I'd like to think people our age don't feel entitled to a picture. With, I don't think so. We're on social media, so we see how they struggle with yeah. it. And we're I just, don't... We're just more mature, I think. <laughs> I think. As you get older, you know, you begin to understand that yeah. these people, they're not their characters on TV. They are real yeah. living Although, if you was Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> we wish. Um, but yeah, and so I wouldn't say it's people our age. And I wouldn't say it's people significantly older than us. I do feel like there's a weird middle ground where a lot of the time where I hear about celebrities complaining about this, I I wouldn't be able to put an age limit on it, but it's definitely older than us but younger than some, where they they just attack them. They're like, who do you think you are denying me a picture? You are shush you're not entitled to anything I think it comes from a place of insecurity I think when you latch on to a celebrity or you have that you're a real fan of somebody um, it becomes sort of consuming Mm. and because so much of your life is focused around them you expect it to be reciprocated and when it's not that can feel really painful that is true but uh, yeah I just feel 
bad for them sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole, like, stan culture? <clears throat> it makes me so uncomfortable. I got, like, when I see stuff on social media, it just, how quick people are to change their minds about people yeah. as well. You see, like, these tweets where it's, like, a month ago, cancel him, and then like when they're yeah, proven innocent, cancel culture they're like, so oh my god, I've been saying it all along. Yeah. But I've got something that will just anger both of you. Then are either of you familiar with the concept of sesang fans? So it's a thing in Korea, particularly K-pop, like the K-pop industry, which is where so K-pop fans, I think it's known that they're quite intense. They're more intense than most other fan bases, which is why K-pop has actually been so successful. I would say because of like the fans really just pushing for its like global spread. But within Korea, there's a group known as Seosang fans, and fortunately, I actually think they're the minority. But they are honestly insane. Like, what they, there have been incidents where the idea is they will hurt the people that they like, these celebrities that they love, because they want them to remember them. Oh yeah. I've so heard of things like there was that. like situations where um, idol singers, which is like K-pop idols, mm-hmm. have gone into hotel rooms and they found that their showers have been mic'd because Seosang fans have broken in and like put microphones there to try and invade their privacy so or like, they've been sent razor blades or they've been like pushed and bitten and like have their hair pulled and stuff because and these fans will say oh it's because i love you and i want you to remember me i don't care how yeah but it's realistically like you're traumatizing this yeah. person like they stalk them they harangue them it's like it's so crazy and it's just like there are some instances where you read about it and it actually makes you angry because some of the youngest K-pop idols are 16. Like, they'll debut when they're 15, that's, 16 that's years old. That's younger than us. Yeah. Younger than us. And so you feel this sort of sense of responsibility of them, where you're like, if you're 15, 16, already... So K-pop idols have to work, like, 12-hour long days, like, sometimes even longer, where, especially if they're at the age where they have to go to school, they'll go to school, they'll come, they'll train for hours on end, aching bodies. Like, their bodies aren't even fully developed. Um, and they have to go through all this just to kind of pursue a dream. Um... And, and then after all of that, just to have, I guess, to be treated like that just must be awful. Like, yeah. ugh. But also, speaking of, like, here comes sports expertise. <laughs> Here's another thing. So I just mentioned the idea of their bodies aren't fully developed, but they're kind of putting them through this like, yeah. immense, yeah. strenuous activity, yeah. like, on a daily basis. Um, what That combined with, I guess there's, like, a whole gym culture now, yeah. particularly amongst younger men about the idea of getting shredded and stuff. I've heard stuff about how actually it's quite bad for you yep. if you're not fully grown. So, obviously, different Educate people us. different people grow at different times. I think mm. that's key. Um, and if someone's in the gym 24-7, mm. um, also it depends what you do in the gym as well. True. Um, so, like, for example, I go to the gym three times a week, but I do weights once a week. I'm like cardio one day and stuff the other day. Um, and I think... I I think I think in my personal opinion people that do decide to like put on body mass things like that are trying to be fake themselves I think you either have it or you don't have it and I feel as though it can sort of be forced and too forced that's my personal opinion about it does it become unhealthy well it does because you're out of your own limits yeah. and you have your own limits you've got used to and you suddenly become out of it and it's like mm. you've got a you're living a different life so not only is it unhealthy but it's inhumane it's like it's, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not you especially um, because of like how quickly like people develop so like okay it's like I just had an image in my mind of the Dolan twins they're quite popular like on social media and stuff they're known for like being the good looking guys 
Um, they're like four years older than we are, so they're twenty one yeah. now. But they've been doing this since they were like thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. And I think like there was like they used to post like shirts, well they still do, but like shirts when they're fourteen, and these are like fourteen year old ripped kids. And that's that sets still. a precedent yeah. for f- younger yeah. boys. But I feel like thinking like I'm I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I mean congratulations, you're clearly healthy, you're in good health. <laughs> but like that, surely that fourteen years old being like built. Yeah. Surely that can't be good for you. Like, it can't. Yeah. Like, it's so... It's really sad. And I feel like it's it's unfortunate that young men are having to suffer from this culture spreading. Yeah. But I feel like on when it comes to time limit, we may I have... I think we should probably... Yeah, yeah we'll The bell's literally going to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Ollie, for yeah, so for yeah, that's like, good. It really means a lot. Yeah. Um, feel free to pop by. And yeah, we'll probably definitely. be doing it like, at the same time next yeah. week, I guess. Yeah. So, we maybe get different people in. Yeah. Who, should, who should we have yeah. next week? Also, for next week, we're probably going to bring in stuff that we want to talk about. Yeah. We'll do a bit more research. Yeah. This was very, like, off the cuff, just to see how it flows. Yeah. yeah that's Speaking of that's timing. Lucky. That's lucky. Right. Thank you so much for listening. We have a special ending that we want to do. Um, was it? Wait, is it? I've been Sarah. Say that. Yeah. Okay, so I've been Sarah. And I've been Miranda. And this has been... Common, Common Ground. ground. <laughs> oh, we are the worst. We are the I'm so proud. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Common Ground. Uh, a quick note, our introduction and ending music was created by Cade Fisher. Thank you very much, Cade.